0: Welcome into the European Soccer Betting Podcast on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. My name is Mackenzie Rivers. I am joined here by Griffin Warner. We split our best bets, Griffin. Seems like we can't get that 2-0 back, but we'll try again this weekend. What would you make of the games? I mean, it's hard to go 2-0.
1: It really is. Perfection is, uh, you know, um, what we're always striving for, but uh, sometimes it's a little bit easier on certain days than it is on on others um i figured if we picked the most obscure soccer matches possibly possible that might get <laughs> us there uh but yeah i, I backed Real via to um they were pretty disappointing for about 80 minutes then made a big kind of uh brain dead type mistake uh left a, a crosser wide open put one right onto his striker's head for the one and only goal of that matchup and uh there went my opportunity to make it a 2-0 because uh, I know Bournemouth came through for us for the umpteenth time in a row.
0: They did. They continue to cover at least four or five weeks in a row now. Um, another team or a team that has dramatically changed their performance with a new manager sacking their manager after four games into the season after losing 9-0. They got there as a half goal underdog covered versus Fulham. Fulham were the better team. Uh, But Bournemouth seems to have that rabbit foot at the moment. 2-2 draw got us to the window. So we move on. And uh, speaking of managers in the Premier League and firing and how it impacts teams' performance, Aston Villa, one of the bigger marquee names in history of the Premier League, fourth to the bottom of the table this year. They fire their manager, Steven Gerrard, obviously one of the icons of the 2000s uh, British soccer What did you think of Aston Villa coming into this season? What did you make of their performance? And uh, were you surprised by the move?
1: So Steven Gerrard came in uh, from Rangers, if I remember correctly, kind of mid-year a little bit um, surprisingly kind of out of nowhere. I think a lot of teams in the Premier League were expected to go after him, but uh, Aston Villa were the first to to take that plunge. Um, I'm surprised that they moved on from him so soon, but the results clearly haven't been very good. But they also – I mean, Villa essentially went from barely um, surviving in like the COVID year. I feel like there was 12 teams that were all on the verge of relegation. Of course, only three go down, but um, they survived and they put a ton of money into their team. Um, I feel like Steven Gerrard is kind of bearing the brunt of that because the ownership group infused a lot of capital and weren't really seeing results from it. Um, I thought when he came to Aston Villa, he brought in a very good kind of defensive minded strategy, which I think ended up becoming because that was the only thing they could really do. They didn't have much offensively. They brought in Danny Ings from Southampton. He was scoring goals at his former club, but ultimately I think was on the wrong side of 30 and has been very un productive uh in his time there they spent a lot of money on emiliano buendia or emmy buendia from norwich city who um was this great creator in the championship but then never really took on or got on in the the big at the big time and i feel like there's that happens a lot they spent a lot of money before gerard got there and ollie Watkins. he was like a great presser but not really a goal scorer i, I just feel like a lot of what Uh, Villa did was spend a lot of money on players that didn't work out. And then they spent a ton to bring in Diego Carlos from Sevilla. He ripped his Achilles and played two matches, I think. And then their other big signing uh, from, I want to say, was it Marseille, Camara? He's been hurt. So like kind of anything that could go wrong, Murphy's Law here did. Um, And I feel bad for the guy because I feel like he deserves another chance and
0: uh, we'll see him sometime soon. It was about 365 days ago, a little bit less, November 2021, about a year ago. He took over this job. He was one of those, you know, hot names. 3 years at Rangers, you know, drastically improved their performances. And it might be that uh, you know, sometimes the GM gets fired and the coach should have been fired. Sometimes the coach gets fired and the GM should have been fired. It's uh it's a cutthroat business and uh it's not always uh it's not always fair. Say that much. Aston Villa plus four fifty to be relegated. Uh, I have some numbers here from Football Finance t- Times when a, t- a coach in the relegation zone, you know, top, bottom six, gets gets sacked. How those teams perform? But I'll just ask you first: Aston Villa plus four fifty. What do you think of those odds? Do you think they're in legitimate danger of uh, dropping down? <sighs> uh,
1: when I think of teams, I. I off the top of my head, I would say the teams that I think are going down in the Premier League right now, um, I I know on this podcast we talk about Everton before the season. I still yep. think that's in play. Um, Plus 300. Nottingham Forest definitely is on that list, probably. Minus 350. Yeah, so they, yeah. So everyone thinks they suck. I mean, Leicester kind of out of nowhere is in that discussion, I think, too. Um, I mean, they're probably going to get it together eventually, but I also feel like they're going to sell a bunch of players in January because – Finances don't seem to be that tight there ever since they lost their, their chief owner. I think his son's taken over and driven the team's finances into the ground, but we'll see if that's actually true. Maybe it's revenue out East or something like that. Cause I want to say they're from Thailand, but anyway, um, Bournemouth I think has, has done a lot lately, but unfortunately you need wins and just avoiding losses. Doesn't do that much. Um, there's, there's just a lot of teams that are out there that are in this little mix. I mean, Fulham I don't think is, is safe by any means. They had a really good start to the year, but um, there's, just, there's a lot of teams out there that could all – I mean, one bad run could really get start get ugly, then you get nervous, and your bad run turns into a horrible run, and then all of a sudden you're in real big trouble. To me, it's like the teams that, have re- that are really dependent on one big player who's going to the World Cup, if they lost him, then all of a sudden things can change. I do think Aston Villa is good enough to stay in the league. I I don't see them as a relegation team, but unfortunately I'm imagining the stats that you put out there about teams in the relegation zone, sacking managers, it probably doesn't always go well and probably rarely goes well. Um, There's only so many teams that get relegated. And I know that a lot of boards get worried and and they kind of act preemptively, but I feel like a lot of times if you're sacking someone in the relegation zone, it's because you're uh, very, very concerned that you're going down. And I feel like it happens a lot.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times they do end up getting going down. You're correct on that. 45% of the time, they do not successfully turn their season around. But hey, that means 55% of the time, they stay up. And um, I think more tellingly, again, this is footballfinance.com, 58% of the time, over 40 occasions, they did this study from September 2009 to June 2020. 40 times this happened, 58% of the time, 23 times. They improved their position from the moment they got sacked to the end of the season. So that's some hope for Villa. And you're right. There's a bunch of teams in the zone. Villa, although being fourth to the bottom right now, are not fourth most likely to drop. They're actually ninth most likely to drop, even with plus 450 odds, which isn't crazy odds. I'll just read them real quick. Nottingham Forest, minus 350. Bournemouth, even though they haven't lost a game in a minute, minus 165. Leicester, plus 225. Wolves plus 250. Again, a bunch of teams in this zone. Southampton plus two seventy-five. Leeds plus two seventy-five. Everton, which we gave out on this podcast at plus four fifty over the summer. Now three to one. Fulham plus three fifty. And again, Aston Villa plus four fifty.
1: Well, and so to think about your stats that that you just quoted, um, a lot of those teams have already sacked managers. So like there's only so many that can get relegated. So I wanna <laughs> I almost feel like if you're sacking your manager and in a relegation position, that's because you're very concerned and your team is bad. So those are probably the ones that we should look to go against because you're not sacking your manager um, unless Jose Mourinho is like sitting out in practice and picking eyes because he doesn't want to go to the <laughs> Super League. That, I think that happened. But other than a Super League like lock in, I think for the most part, if you're sacking your manager, it's because things are not going great.
0: That's a great visual. The great one, just on the side of the pitch. It's a, it's a couple of dandelions, you know, blowing in the wind, looking at a cloud. I can't talk on that. I'll, I'll get myself in trouble. I, I can't. I can't speak on that. All right, let's get into some games. Let's do it. This is a betting podcast. We got a couple of great games on this card for this weekend. Stay in the Premier League first. Chelsea hosting Man U. Chelsea is about a quarter goal favorite, a little bit more than that. So they're saying they're pretty close teams. Hosting Man U. What do you make of the matchup? I mean the
1: the change in Manchester United from uh, the beginning of the season to now is pretty incredible. Um, I just actually watched the Tottenham match this morning, and I'm like trying my best to watch all these matches, but I swear I fall so far behind; it's like impossible. Even watching like two or sometimes three at once, but. Um, Manchester United, I mean, maybe Eric Ten Hag can coach, uh, I yep. don't because clearly the personnel hasn't changed. I mean, maybe some guys have gotten a little bit more accustomed to playing together or a little bit more used to everyone being rude and, uh, completely self-absorbed in England. But, um, I, I just feel like from where they were to where they are now, I'm very impressed. I'm hesitant to say, okay, I believe in them now. Um, but they are the most historic club in the world, arguably, and used to be the biggest. Um, so I feel like the the years and years of them underperforming probably was gonna turn eventually. Um, I feel like they were pretty fortunate considering where they stood um entering that an international break. They were a lot, a lot better, I thought, than uh um or I guess their ranking was a lot better than I thought they were playing, but they've kind of paid that off a little bit bar that uh man city blowout. But I mean, who aren't they doing that too? Um, and so I've been pretty impressed now for Chelsea. I mean, grand Potter, I think is starting to really take hold, but they still don't have great finishers. I feel like any match they don't start Obama Yang. I really wonder about, a, how they're going to score in general, even when he's in there, but when he's not there, it's like Mason Mount, like taking over or, like finishing a mistake and that's how they're going to score. And that's not really a reliable way to play, play football at this level against teams that are really just trying to beat you up and prevent you from taking shots.
0: Graham Potter, you mentioned now eight, one and two, eight wins, one loss, two draws over two teams with Chelsea. He's now three, Oh, and one with Brighton. He was five, one and one. I'm pretty neutral on the matchup. I'm surprised by the number, but, um, I feel like Manu has more more scoring threats. I mean, Ronaldo, four games he's played now, goal and assist. I mean, he's coming off the bench in a lot of these games, and he's probably the best striker, you know, since Fat Ronaldo at least. Well, and and also he
1: left the bench early in the last matchup because he knew he wasn't getting substituted in like the 89th minute. Um, so I wonder if that means he's gonna play this weekend. I figured he was probably gonna be available for this one, considering he didn't start midweek, but he played back to back games and the two matches before that. I don't really know what's going on there. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of stuff heating up about him moving to like Marseille in January or something wow. like that, trying to go somewhere where he might see a little bit more playing time. Uh, I feel like Juventus could really use him, but I'm sure they don't want to pay him. Um, and like, and that's a whole
0: another shit show <laughs> no how, how different would the leverage situation be if Ch- if manu was like 10th in the table instead of six or they were like they were still struggling like they were at the beginning of the season i feel like ten hog by winning these games by getting some credibility he's kind of has the has the upper hand over ronaldo i mean what is ronaldo gonna do uh you know besides you know twist in the wind i mean
1: ronaldo's not gonna be there very long so that i, I think by default the manager has more despite all the history that Cristiano Ronaldo has. And supposedly he had like some big celebration for him where, um, sir, I'm losing his sir Alex Ferguson showed up and, and shook his hand or kissed him on the forehead or whatever they do over there. So like, they're still loving Ronaldo as if he was like the 19 year old or whatever, when he was there way back when I think 10 hog wins those, those battles though now. Cause he's, he's way more the future than Ronaldo is at 37 or 38 years old. Um, but with that said, in respect to this matchup, I mean, seeing United, a quarter goal underdog, potentially moving to a half, um, that's, that's to me saying, so as we have talked about, I mean, coming back from the international breaks, you might give a little bit more for home field advantage or home pitch advantage, whatever we're calling it. Um, I think a quarter is like the minimum that I'm giving for most teams. Um, Chelsea, I feel like deserve a little bit more than that. But even sure. then, this line probably is trending towards half of a, a goal. And so um, that to me tells. So that says that Chelsea's um, at least, I mean, better than Manchester United by definition, if they're uh, going to climb to that half a goal favorite. I don't know that I necessarily believe that, especially because when you, I mean, part of this, my strategy in the sport is you're telling me this team is better if they have to win. And there's so many draws in this sport that there's got to be some some way to make money on finding kind of the, the split between when a team's actually equal and how often they draw versus they lose on the road. So, um, and of course, if you win in there too, that that's profitable as well. So I, I lean Manchester United in this one, probably not shocking to anybody who's been listening to this podcast, but um, I, I just, I don't know what it's going to take for me to, to really reverse sides on Chelsea. I feel like when they play teams of equal... Like talent or budgets, they just, I don't think they're as good because they really struggle to score.
0: In every sport, I'm always trying to think about what is bias in the market. And generally, it's favorites. Generally, people, if they're going to watch a game and bet a game, they want to watch the team that's going to be winning most of the time, that's usually increasing the lead, just usually more endorphins to your brain. I think, and usually, in the split of value and what people want, there's a little bit of value on the underdog for that reason. You bring up some good points. It might be more in soccer because uh, if I'm like, well, I don't really care if I draw or lose. I just want to win. Then I'm going to pick the favorite. And then, and then if I end up drawing or losing it, you know, I think of that in my mind as a casual better. It's the same. I really wanted to win this weekend. I didn't win. I don't really care. Uh, so plus quarter goals and plus half goals, it seems like there might be some inherent bias uh, going in the other direction, which would help us here.
1: I mean, I, I'm also thinking that if you're making a play on a game and you you want the most likely result, it's the team that's favorite. I mean, I think that's right. a rational way to think, um, that the best chance of you getting your money back is about the favorite. Um, certainly, and and I can't argue with that, that's, that's by definition. But I think generally where I try to sit in the sports betting marketplace or, or whatever we want to call it, um, I'm trying to find those little kind of spots where a team is a little undervalued or might have a little bit more of an opportunity to take one of those draws where, because in, in like all American sports, overtime favors the favorite so significantly. But when you don't have that in this world, I feel like it's a, a huge benefit to the underdog. And that's probably why I spend so much time watching this stuff.
0: Low, low scoring game expected two and a half flat and uh Grand Potter's given up one goal in four Premier League games uh, as Chelsea manager. So uh, give me a lean to the under. I think uh, Chelsea, you know, very good defensive team. And man, you, if, if the beginning of the season taught us anything, Ronaldo, after leaving early, uh, probably should not be involved in the next game for all parties involved. Uh, let's move on to the Serie A, the Serie A, to Syria A, Red Hot Napoli visits Roma a lot of people talking beginning of the season the special one picking dandelions and everything Jose Mourinho taking over for Roma that was the talk of the town but Napoli I mean look at their Champions League results top of the table what do you make of this matchup and the red hot Napoli Blue Devils I don't think they have a name of, of Napoli uh there's they're blue of some sort so you're, you're right <laughs> in that way I don't know if I don't know
1: if Coach K is mood lighting over there but I think they have a guy named Italiano that's uh, coaching them, which is honestly hilarious. But um, <laughs> so Napoli essentially came into the year as no one was really picking them. Uh, no one really believed that they were um, going to do anything because they were essentially moving off their best, biggest name players. Um, and actually I'm wrong. It's Spalletti is the manager. My bad. Um but anyway, so Napoli basically moved on these expensive older players. They invested in some no-name guy from Georgia, not not Athens or Atlanta, Georgia, but uh, the the nation, the country of Georgia. And this he wears seventy-seven Varechkelia or something like that. Good luck if you're pronouncing it. If you know how to pronounce it, at me on Twitter. But. Um, he has basically come in and revitalized his team. He's been an awesome left wing, creating more opportunities than anyone would have expected. Um, and entering the year, we even talked about in this podcast where Roma were, um, I mean, Roma were huge and everyone was backing them as, as a kind of dark horse win Syria, uh, as a team to finish. I mean, I was looking at backing them to finish in the Champions League position. And the juice on that went from like one plus one fifty to minus one sixty-five within like a day or two. And I planned to bet it and I missed it. So I was like, well, I guess I guess Roma's gonna kill it this year. Um, they've been good, but Napoli have been awesome, um, killing every competition they're in. Though this is a tough spot for them because they go on the road to Roma, Crash should be nuts, biggest game of the Serie A weekend. And it's a real good test to see if Napoli have been. Uh, or I guess if not, we are able to keep this up because I don't think anyone believes that they can, but they've been like not just winning games, they've been throttling teams for a while. And Roma haven't really had that same type of um, ability to make anything happen just just yet. Um, Roma currently getting a quarter of a goal at home was very juiced when I looked this morning. So um, it's probably gonna be one of those things where you're gonna pay a pretty penny or it might even fall down to pick them. But still at home, Roma getting pretty disrespected by this number, I think
0: very savvy point you made about futures betting and and getting the best number and this was a difficult concept for me to for me to really grasp and stay disciplined about when a number moves it's human nature to be like let's say an NBA game moves from five to eight NBA hole me brought up in the NBA you know cash your ticket minus 140 let's say it moves from five to eight and you're like oh man I really like that minus five team what are the chances they're gonna win by six or seven because the only time it matters are five if they win by five six or seven let me bet it because it's only maybe there's a two percent chance i don't care about that it doesn't matter the chance of them landing five six or seven the only thing that matters is them losing or winning by one two three four five six or seven like all the same risks that came with that bet for roma to win uh to make the champions league at uh plus 130 we're still there at minus 150 you're not only oh well they're still gonna win so it doesn't really matter i'll just bet a little bit more and it'll make up the difference no it's a whole new bet and there's a whole new considerations by the way, Roma's fourth right now, not necessarily um, killing it the way uh, people thought coming in.
1: Fourth is good. I mean, like, let's be real. Roma have been struggling to finish. Um, I mean, I think Europa league has basically been where Roma been fin- I mean, they were in the conference league two seasons ago or last season, excuse me. They had to win that. I think they would have qualified for Europa league anyway, but they were in the lowest of the low European competition. So Um, there's also a little bit of a, like a class step up where it's, it's hard to all of a sudden go from, um, the outhouse to, uh, the big house.
0: (laughs) And, uh, I made the prediction that, uh, although I didn't necessarily love them at five to one, if there was a bet for them to have the least amount of goals allowed with Jose Mourinho's tactics in play, I would like that. Well, they're not quite there. They're four goals behind Lazio who is 21 goals scored and five goals allowed. They've done great. Only team that's Incredible. equal to them is, uh, is Napoli. They're plus 16 with 25 goals scored and only nine allowed. By the way, Napoli 18 to one to win the champions league. Neither of us had them in our little uh, draft. Uh, they're sneaky. They're sneaky. Oops. Major oops by us, but I don't think anyone really had that happening. No, there's been a lot of carnage uh, in the champions league market Um Juventus, another team high up on the favorites list, doesn't look like they're going to get there. But uh, let me help you get there, save you a little bit of money on your next bet. You want to go to pregame.com. I know you do. I do all the time. Every day I go to that website. And uh, I'll save you some money on that website with the promo code GOAL20. GOAL is in somebody scored, G-O-A-L, 20 0 goal 20 Go to pregame.com. All the best handicappers in the world are there, including my man Griffin Warner, my man Steve Fezzik, my man AJ Hoffman, and Scott Seidenberg, all there, all picking their sports. Scott Seidenberg off to a fantastic start in hockey, 14 and 2 on the ice. If you want it, hey, maybe you you like hockey, you want a little hockey pocky in your day and your weekend, go to pregame.com, use the promo code GOAL20, 20% off anything in the site. Just go to buy pick section in your shopping cart, add that promo code GOAL20, save 20% off anything on the site. And it's good for a daily pick, save 20%. It's great for a subscription, 20% off an already discounted subscription goes quite a long way. Speaking of going quite a long way, let's get into some best bets. Uh, I won my best bet on Bournemouth over the weekend, so I get the honors of going first. I'm going to stick in the Premier League. I'm going to go with Man City, even money minus two goals, hosting Brighton. We talked about Graham Potter earlier on this podcast. 2019 to 2022 revolutionized Brighton football. Never had been better before that. They started off the season red hot, five one and one, and it wasn't they were getting lucky. If you look at goal expected goal margin versus the Vegas spread, they were number one with a bullet when Graham Potter uh, took his leave. Since then, 0-2-2, they're just not the same team. They have an offensive coach now that doesn't really bring that offense. Zero goals the last three games. Against City, if you want to cover two, you need a goal. You probably need two the way City's rolling. I like that City's off a loss, losing to Liverpool. You know, I think that's kind of an aberration. They're now four points behind Arsenal, so I think they kick it into gear. Best team in the world. Laying two goals, that's my best bet. I know you're very tentative about laying goals, Uh, But what do you think, is there any reason why I shouldn't play City uh, as a dog better, you think, uh, versus Brighton this weekend?
1: Ah, man, it's hard. It's hard uh, because I've got to say, I feel like I've had a pretty good record going against City, um, though I tried to never do it, which I think is probably why I've had a good record. (laughs) Um, I don't really have a lot to say about why I like Brighton here. Uh, I don't like them. I mean, the number is monstrous, but I'm kind of trying to force myself to learn that just because it's a big price – like games get really ugly, especially when teams team's got a lead, and uh, another team has to then push out and try to equalize because they're not trying to lose one nil. They're trying to get that that draw. Um, so I think that'll help you a lot to get a, a push potentially late, even if you didn't deserve it earlier in the match, just cause I would expect City to take a lead. Um, I just there's also this thing in the back of my mind about the the manager for Brighton, Roberto De Zerbi, who was all offense, even against the biggest clubs in Italy uh, a few years ago. He left from Sassuolo. I think he saw that there was some trouble financially and they were going to sell off a lot of players. I don't know if that was the right move because he ended up going to Shakhtar Donetsk in Ukraine, and then we just <laughs> there. But yeah. uh, I have a feeling, especially after not scoring any goals in, I think, his first three matches, that he might turn into that uh, old Roberto Djerbi who is just going to be on the front foot the whole time. And uh, against City, I would not recommend that.
0: Right, bring it on. I'm very happy if he gets to that itch to go 3-4-3 against City. I'll be looking forward to that at the Etihad. All right, how about your best bet? Winning on the season, what do you want the uh, people to bet on this weekend? What's the best bet in soccer? I'm going to stay in Spain,
1: stay in La Liga,
0: and I'm going to go with Real Betis, a
1: home underdog, quarter goal home underdog, at home against Atletico Madrid, um, I think there are big problems in an athletic camp. Um, really, ever since they won La Liga, I think it was two seasons ago, they have tried to become the European champion Atletico Madrid, and they've kind of forgotten who they were, which is a team that wants to defend, wants to beat the hell out of you. They still do that. But there is like a big gap between, I think, what they want to be and, and what they're built to be. It's like this GM is building a, an offensive powerhouse and they really just want to play defensively, and I don't think it really works. Um, Real Betis, they've had a ton of matches lately, um, and it's also tough because everyone played midweek. I feel like the Spanish La Liga and, and partly Pr- Premier League too because they all had uh, matches midweek, there's really good chance a lot of these games might be a little slower than others because people are gassed. I mean, Man City, on the other hand, are so deep that it probably won't affect them that that much. But Atleti, I just I think they really struggle to score goals And you need to do that as a road favorite. So, going into one of the toughest places to play in Sevilla, where they threw a cigarette at me for thinking I was rooting for a road (laughs) team, uh, I think it's going to be a really tough environment
0: for him. And I'll take Betis plus a quarter. I like this play on his face. Looking at the table here, you got number four, Atletico Madrid, number five versus Real Betis. You look at expected points on the table 15.45 for Atletico Madrid, 15.41. For Real Betis. So far this season through 10 games, these teams are exactly equal, but one has a huge brand name and a marquee head coach Atletico Madrid. The other one has value. That would be Griffin's best bet, Real Betis. All right, that'll do it for the European Soccer Betting Podcast and RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Thank you guys for listening and we will check you next week. Use that promo code GOAL20. Let us know you're listening.